is up, cryptids? <laughs> Welcome back to Ten 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 Ten, the only Tintin podcast for species that may or may not exist. Mm, this Rossi, Tintin podcast may or may not exist. Yeah. I'm your host, Sarah. And with us is a very special guest, um, who you might have seen in some grainy backgrounds and of photographs <laughs> of us, uh, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all the photographs of us that you take. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Chaz. I'm lapping the floor whiskey up, and um, it's really, it's really making me very happy. So I'm enjoying that. Listen, there's nothing wrong with a little bit of swiping. You know, you go out, you don't yeah. want to pay for a full glass. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. lap it off you the just, floor. You lap it off the floor. You see a little devil on your shoulder saying, "Become an alcoholic." And who are you to refuse? They're like a fun little devil guy. So yeah, I think it's fine. <laughs> Yeah, like the version of me that's in that outfit is just way hotter. So like, yeah, I gotta yeah, do yeah. what like, they say. Well, I couldn't possibly refuse. <laughs> Folks, we read Tintin in Tibet this week, and I don't know about you guys, but I had a good time. This was a good one. I had an I had an enjoyable one. I I don't think I've ever read a full Tintin comic before, so this was a very exciting experience. Oh, interesting. Mm. Mm. So, Chaz, tell us some uh, more about your history with Tintin. There, actually. Well, to be honest, I don't have a huge a huge history. The thing about this one is that mm. my parents have a print of the cover of this Tintin mm-hmm. in French I, on their bathroom wall. So every time <laughs> I'm on the bathroom, well, every time I'm on the toilet in my at my parents' house, uh-huh. I'm, sta- I'm staring at the cover of this book. Uh-huh, so it was uh-huh. like it was very enjoyable to actually experience what the story is rather than just like looking at the cover while I'm you know. Yeah, on, yeah. In, in the loo, yeah. Um, this but, time was a bit bit less shit. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, um, have been, you have been known to enjoy the music of Mr. Phil Avram. Mm-hmm. Yes, I have, yeah. Um, he has a song called Tintin in Tibet. <laughs> he has, it's and sad. it's actually a really, a really... That's a long one, right? Where he talks yeah. about, like, fucking on the road. No, it's not that long. It's, like, four minutes long, but it's, like, about his wife who died. I mean, <laughs> yeah, Which that's, is a, that's, that's a lot. That's a, that's a lot of his songs, to be honest. Let's be, <laughs> yeah. let's be honest here. Um, no offense, to Mr. Phil Everham. I, I think he you. also talks about how he, because his wife was also like an artist, and he just yeah. talks about how they both enjoyed Tintin in Tibet. It's good. It was a good graphic novel. I've seen the Tintin film, um, the animated one, and I enjoyed that. I thought it was pretty good. Um, but I have, yeah, I've never really read a full, a full Tintin story before. So this was very I mean, exciting. you're, you're like the only one here who has actually read graphic novels. Mm-hmm. You've never read. <laughs> I've read never comics, read, but. You never read a graphic novel. <laughs> what, what, like, no offense, but same thing. Pointless difference. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is comics, this is graphic novel. It's, it's, the only real difference is how it's released, which is like graphic novels are that are released as books and comics are released technically as like issues but apart oh, from I that they're, they're both just comics you know they're comic format yeah i mean this was released in like weekly two-page uh issues okay. that were then collected in a book so i don't know that makes a lot of sense it's for, like, a bond decimate goes, if you want to like differentiate in like an even more uh pointless category <laughs> mm. ah, anyway speaking this. of people um who like this book yeah mm-hmm. um so the Dalai Lama loves this shit. <laughs> okay. He gave RJ an award for this. There's so award? There's... A Dalai Lama award? <laughs> yeah. He awarded it the, the Light of Truth Award. 
which mm. is a human rights award presented nearly annually uh, in the international campaign for Tibet, uh, presented by the Dalai Lama. Um, There's okay. There was some. There was definitely someone on this Wikipedia page that was like, "This is the most read book about Tibet." It's possible. <laughs> I mean, it's probably like the quickest to read. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's it's Tibet. definitely the easiest book to read about Tibet. Probably. Yeah, it's got pictures and everything. <laughs> I. Yeah, I did like, learn some Tibet facts from this. Like, mm. I learned about like Tsampa and sticking your tongue out. That those were fun Tibet facts. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is like, you know, you're not going to learn everything about Tibet from this book, but you're going to no. learn the important stuff, which is like, yeah, you know, what it looks like. Uh, yeah, what the Yeti the is thing, called there. What what a Yeti is, like what they call a Yeti, the fact that Yetis are real and they exist yeah. and they want to be yeah. a friend. Yeah. Um, these are and other important nice. Tibet questions. Yeah, they're nice, but they're also a little scary and they like to drink whiskey. Well, everyone everyone loves to drink this key, uh, whiskey in, in Tintin, so. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're not that different yeah, from Snowy. <laughs> True. Um, what else did we learn? Uh, I don't know. I learned that ha- Captain Haddock is a buffoon who can, cannot, <laughs> yeah. cannot be relied upon. I do think the thing that like stops me from giving this book like a gold star yeah. Great Tintin Adventure Award is just Haddock's like wearing like. Not even racist. I mean, yes, racist, but mostly just like offensive and rude buffoonery. Yeah, he's just yeah. he's just very ignorant. In yeah, this one especially. Like, it just constant, and he never, never like seems to really learn to not be ignorant. And it's been like so many books yeah. <laughs> of him he just refuses to learn. Yeah, yeah, and like it's it's just not funny. It wasn't really funny at the start, and it like I'm just I'm done with it. Um, you don't find it's funny when he falls in like his third snowfall and just starts saying slurs. <laughs> that is kind of funny. Um, I like yeah. that he just starts saying. At some point, he just starts saying words which I enjoyed, like including like diplodocist, filibuster, megalomaniac. Which I just oh yeah, yeah, that, that, that's that's his his funny good. little thing okay. that we love. He loves to say um, words. He says a lot of words. He does say a slur on the first page, actually, which we'll we'll get to. I, he I, has a British I find moment. it pretty funny. He has a British moment here. He has a bit of a British moment. Um, but uh, do you want to finish going through some background stuff on this? Yeah. Because um, we, we're at the kind of spicy part of Hershey's life. Um, do you want to take this one as usually, Anush? Oh, shall I take this one? Because I, I think you've read a lot more uh, about this, but I can do like... Yeah, okay. I, I mean, I spent I spent the morning like skimming yeah. the Wikipedia page so I can I can take us through the highlights. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so we've kind of hinted at this a few times. It's sort of come up as a thing that is going to happen in Hergé's life, but he will eventually leave his wife, you know, that his like boss from the 30s forced him to marry yeah um so that's probably a very healthy and normal relationship he will eventually leave her for a significantly younger woman and this Mm. is during the writing of this book is when he kind of does this um now as the section of the wikipedia page hergé's psychological problems might (laughs) indicate he's very (laughs) torn up about this it's um quite uncatholic to leave your wife um yeah yeah, it's like he realized he had fallen out of his 
out of love with his wife, Germaine, who married in 1932. And by 1958, he and Fanny Vlaminick, colorist, 28 years his junior, had developed a deep mutual attraction. I think my sort of favourite part of this little section is that um, Hergé basically wanted to keep dating both of them at the same time. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, which I respect so much, like Holly Kang. <laughs> yeah, like mm-hmm. I just, I really think that Hergé could have, if Hergé had just had a bunch of like queer friends, he would have had a great time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, his Catholic upbringing and Boy Scout ethic, however, caused him to feel tremendous guilt. Mm. Yeah, and sort of all this manifested basically in his dreams quite a bit. Um, where he kept dreaming, dreaming about white yeah. and fucking skeletons and endless towers and stuff. But so he was just having that, like twenty years ago already, right? Like he's been haunted by his dreams, these dreams for like decades. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This did come up earlier, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so all this sort of like comes to a head, and he goes to Switzerland to consult a psycho psychoanalyst. Um, okay. And the psychoanalyst guy whose name is Franz Rilken, Ricklin? Franz Ricklin is like, bruh, you gotta just quit your job. <laughs> He's like, uh, no. Uh, in short. Um, so he ends up sort of following through with leaving his wife, uh, marrying this new girl, Fanny, um, who he just seems to be more compatible with in general. Um I think to the extent that, like, later on it says that, like, Fanny actually had, like, quite a lot of influence. Like, she was very into, like, mysticism and the sort of more uh, telepathic elements of this book that sort Mm -hmm. of come up. Um, That sort of came from her and stuff. Um, Another influence on Hergé, which has definitely come up before, is his friend, who we all know and love as Mr. Cryptozoology himself, Bernard Huevomel, um, who at this point, you know, had previously given Hergé all the sort of space-related information so that he could write his space books, and this time came back and was like, hi, I've written a book about cryptozoology called On the Trail of Unknown Animals, um, which... Um, yeah, he kept like writing to Hergé, being like, "Hey, you should put like some cryptids in your books." And Hergé's like, "Okay, <laughs> fine. Here, the, here they are." Specifically, I specifically he slipped him like a note where he said, "I hope Tintin will meet the Yeti soon." Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. One thing I did think about this book is that it was going to coincide with whenever Hergé like re-met his old friend uh, Jang. Yeah. Whom. He actually doesn't, like, meet again until, like, the 80s. Yeah. Um, but he is, like, thinking about Chang and his friendship with Chang, um, which is, is why, which is why uh, Chang comes up in this again. Yeah, there's a very, there's a very touching section here on the, on the Wikipedia where it's like, uh, yeah, he wrote it because he was thinking about it and he, he kind of, it, it says, every affair Chang and Tintin must be reunited just as he hoped to see his friend again someday. Uh, mm. So, yeah, it's Aww. it's cool that this basically like I assume that this book made made them somehow like he made it real with this. Yeah, he manifested it. Uh, Anything else cool in the in the wiki? There's some. There's some. I mean, there's a list of like influences he 
read about both about like Tibet and the cryptids. Like there's a there's a, a mountaineer called Maurice Herzog who uh, who led an expedition climbing uh, climbing the Himalaya, uh, and he claimed to have seen the Yeti. Um, there's one of the influences was the book The Third Eye by Lobsang Grandpa, which uh, if you're if you're not familiar with this guy, it's uh, it's a it's a British plumber who claims that he's a Tibet he's been a Tibetan monk, uh, uh-huh. and it's unclear whether he's ever been to Tibet. Okay, but this is a book that decided that he is. This is a book that my mom read and really liked, um, and I'm not sure she knows about the background of it. Like I just learned oh about my it God. today. Uh, but this this, is, this has been like famous like a, a pretty famous book about like shaping people's ideas of Tibet. Um, we don't really know if if the claims that he has never been to Tibet is true or not. But uh, that's but he also did he also did consult some like actual Tibetan sources. Like one of them is a book called Tibet by Homeland by someone named Tsewang Tsewang Pemba. Um, that sounds like a more authentic source. Uh, the other thing I wanted to quickly go through is the alternatives to he considered before writing this because uh, you remember the last story, the Red Sea Sharks. We were very mm-hmm. down on it. Uh, it featured like every character in Tintin ever. Yeah. Um, and the other ideas were, it says for several weeks he considered plot ideas for his next story. And first he was thinking about the scouting days and he was thinking about sending Tintin back to the United States um, <laughs> to help a group of Native Americans defend their land from a large corporation that wished to drill for oil. Uh, ah, Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad he didn't do that. It said on reflection, I came to believe that retracing old ground would be a step backwards. Great, uh, now, now I get to know what happened in Tintin in America. <laughs> but this is, the next one is... <laughs> The next one is incredible. Uh, it says, another yeah. idea had Tintin striving to prove that Haddock's butler Nestor was framed mm-hmm. for a crime committed by his old employers, the Bird Brothers. I would like to, I would like to read this one. This sounds I, That sounds fucking lit. <laughs> we love Nestor and I am sad that we never got the like Nestor, Nestor-centric adventure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he... Then it says he dismissed this as well, but kept the idea of an adventure with no guns or violence, a Tintin story without an antagonist. Uh, so the next idea was sending Tintin and Professor Calculus to a snow-covered polar region where a stranded group of explorers need Calculus to save them from food poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> the enemy. The villains. <laughs> poisoning. That would be great. It would be a whole comic of people just like vomiting and shitting. <laughs> <laughs> Tintin versus Tommy Troubles, yeah. Yeah, I could see I could see like a Tintin version of the thing. Okay, that would be pretty cool. I would yeah, I'd enjoy that. Snow snowy it starts with like snowy running across like a frozen dungeon. Like, and then he like, seen... he like splits into yeah. I don't know how much Cowboy Bebop you've seen, Chaz, uh mm-hmm. and I don't know if you watched it, Sarah, but there's like I have. Yeah, so you you remember the famous episode where it's like a parody of Alien but it's about food gone wrong. Or food I don't gun bad. I, I do that. not. I, I. It's been a while since I've yeah, seen it. I do not remember this episode. Like, stylistically, it's like very clearly an homage to Alien, but the Alien is like 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 a bit of food that has gone bad, and now they. <laughs> <laughs> that is very <laughs> sticky. Take care of that. That that sounds fucking great. 
but yeah, I mean, ultimately, I, I, I just love to look at all these ideas that he was cycling through because uh, he ended up, like, basically what he did is, like, going through all this stuff and he was like, no, I don't need that, I don't need that. Like, the last book had, like, everything, right? Like, every villain, yeah. every, every side character. And in this one, he's like, what if I just, like, really cut, cut off the fat of a Tintin story? <laughs> like, yeah. Remove yeah. all of this lore that I've acquired and just focus it on, like, this core cast of Tintin, Snowy, and Haddock. Um, yeah. And put them in this, like, white setting. Yeah. Friendship. So wait, friendship and white guilt. Yeah, yeah it's about <laughs> white guilt and what you would do for for your friends if you felt really, really sad about it. Like, literally, like, the quote on the Wikipedia page is, like, setting it in the, in the Himalayas, a snow-covered environment, followed his recurring dreams of whiteness and his need to create an adventure that must be a solo voyage of redemption from the whiteness of guilt. Mmm, the whiteness of guilt, or the guilty um, whiteness, am I right? <laughs> yeah. And it, like, it is quite funny how, through, like, throughout this book, it's just, like, they're going into the Himalayas, and it's just, like, everyone they meet is like, what the fuck are you doing? You're going to die? Like, why are you here? Like, <laughs> what's with these two white boys? <laughs> but it's pretty compelling. Like, I like the... It's... I don't know, it's like a... It's like this impossible goal that is like, and it shows the the you know the psycholog the psychological problems thing by like Tintin being inspired by a dream uh, mm -hmm, yeah. about Chang. Like this, there's something really really compelling about the idea of like dreaming about your long lost friend and then embarking on this like really, like Tintin's. This is the best Tintin's character has been since yeah I don't know since the Blue Lotus. Yeah, it like it. It is genuinely, like, very moving. I think this is probably the most moving of yeah. all the Tintin adventures that I've sort of read. Um, like, you know, especially whenever, like, they get to a point sort of halfway through whenever, uh, what's his face, uh, Thake, Tharke is like, like, guys, I'm taking you guys home. Like, there's no evidence. Like, there's nothing. And Tintin is like, yeah, I guess there isn't. And, like, his sort of face whenever he is on the cusp of giving up and admitting that, like... Chang is dead. Like, I'm like, oh no. And then, you know, when he does get, keeps getting his sort of like mm. determination renewed, um, it's really good. Yeah. Is the thing. <laughs> and it works. <laughs> is the thing. This is and it gets me. This is really good quote by Hergé that I think says a lot about, I don't know, some of the, some of the like subtexts that we have been talking since Blue Lotus, uh, because it says, uh, Eric came to see Tintin and Tibet as his favorite volume in The Adventures of Tintin. He thought it an ode of friendship composed under the double sign of tenacity and friendship. And then there's this quote that he said later about it, where he says, it's a story of friendship, the way people say it's a love story. Hmm. So, you know. Confirm. Hmm. Think of that what hmm. you will, but it's... You know, it's a very intense friendship, or it's yeah. you know equating friendship with love in in the in the best or like most moving <laughs> possible way. It's again, like I said, Hergé could really have benefited with from just more queerness in yeah. his life. <laughs> like I think that would have been very healthy for him. Like not like not in the way be like, oh, there's a bitch guy, but just like to de 
heteronormatify your life just I think he would have had a better time of it, you know. Yeah, I could talk about this in the in the in the Blue Lotus episode where he was like his uh his friendship with Jang was like them hanging out like every Sunday and like really inspiring each other a lot like uh you know just just this really intense uh really intense like male friendship that like edges on the homoerotic like I don't know what was going on exactly but it's I just I just feel like he Need needs to he needs to he he would have if he had embraced that more right like yeah because there's there's like this other stuff about his friendships where it's like like I don't know it just feels like that was where he where he was the most comfortable at right because he was yeah. clearly not comfortable in his marriage yeah okay shall we all right you want to talk about the book, book? yeah <laughs> yeah um so I've written us a little summary um so we start out with um. Haddock saying a funny slur. Um, <laughs> it's not a slur. <laughs> it is very funny though. <laughs> um, hey, just you, maybe we should we should bring this back. We should all we should like every time you're tired, we should be like, oh, we're fagged out. We should bring. I, back. I think people people do say that, don't they? I that's what my dad I, said. <laughs> yeah, um, I think it's just British. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's canonically just... British. We we we've established that. Is he canonically oh, British? Yeah. Okay, that's good. That's oh, yeah, why that's yeah, why he's he such is. a buffoon. Yeah. 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 And also um, why he's so racist. Okay. But yeah, uh, Tintin's fagged out because he's been climbing the Alps all day because they're on holiday in the mountains. Um, while Tintin is waiting for uh, Haddock to take a turn in chess, he takes so long <laughs> that Tintin falls asleep. Um, and Tintin wakes up shouting Chang because he's just had a dream where Chang is in the snow, hurt but alive, calling for help. And this sort of sets up the whole rest of the book. It's a really big deal, this dream, mm. which we can tell because the panel that he's yelling on is like the sort of big involved like where's Waldo-esque panel of this whole comic. Yeah. It's very good. I like to see it. I have a question about this. In Tintin is magic real? Kind of. <laughs> okay. It's it's going back and forth on it. <laughs> yeah. Th- th- that noise is the answer I can give. Um, <laughs> hmm. Okay, good. I think yeah. I mean, it's I think this is all sort of uh, sort of like Erge's weird world worldview. Like I think, and as as he gets older, he gets like more taken in by like uh, by like a s- supernatural spirituality that like extends beyond his Catholicism. Mm. Yeah, yeah, um, um. yeah. This is there's there's been previous cases where it was real, but I feel like this is with with the yeti and the levitating monk. Uh, it's like. The most magic real. Yeah, I mean the the monkey's not magic. He's just religious, so it's yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. He's a you know he's a cleric, not a wizard. Different, yeah, yeah, yeah. completely different uh-huh, um, uh-huh. classes. Um, but yeah, so they after dreaming about Chang, they then get a letter from Chang, being like, "Oh hey, like I've I'm coming over to London to see some cousins or something. Blah blah blah. Just gonna catch a flight from Kathmandu. Haha." Um, which then in the paper they read about how that flight crashed and they mm. read a report that Chang is dead. Definitely dead for sure. Um, of course, Tintin doesn't believe Chang is dead and he leaves for Nepal immediately to go find him. I do want to shout out on this page just like how happy Tintin is to like hear that he's going to see Chang again. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
That's really good. He like starts dancing with Snowy and stuff. Um, and I also want to shout out just like how on these pages, like the word Chang like keeps coming up. Yeah. Like people keep yelling it around the place. Yeah. Um, That's relatable. Like when, when suddenly everything reminds you of someone. Yeah. It's quite romantic. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Um, so yeah, Tintin, Haddock and Snowy arrive in New Delhi and after like three pages of hijinks, sort of barely <laughs> almost managed to catch a flight over to Kathmandu. <laughs> Some pretty good hijinks in this bit. Yeah. Haddock yeah. rides a cow. Yeah. Haddock <laughs> does ride a car. He, he, he rides like a sacred cow. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, they end, they end up in a car and then... Like, does a thumbtack go in his eye, or like yep. does something else go in his eye? That's I really. I don't. I was unsure because there's a thumbtack, and I was like, "Is the thumb? Is the car gonna go over the thumbtack?" But then he says something's in his eye, um. So I just assumed that the thumbtack ended up in his eye, and that sounded very painful. <laughs> yeah. Um. And then yeah, because and then had it like because he can't see properly because there's something in his eye. He's like <laughs> they're like running for the plane, and he like sees some steps, and just runs up them. Yeah. And then it's just like. They're not connected to a plane, and then in the next panel of Haddock, he's just like beat to shit, having obviously fallen off the steps. Um, <laughs> this establishes Haddock as a buffoon, even to someone who hasn't read the previous uh, book of this series. And it's just like it does like kind of low key ruin the tone of this book for me because yeah. where Tintin is like trying to go in this like intensely like spiritual quest yeah. to find his fr- Haddock is just there. Yeah. The f- yeah. Doing antics. It was. It was. Uh, he was like, I, people won't read it unless there's like humorous. I think so. Yeah, scenery. absolutely. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. This. I don't know. I'm not gonna say it would have been better without Haddock. That's a weird thing to say. <laughs> I just because like the, the, the antics are good. Like because like they arrive in Kathmandu and then there's like they're trying to find the like uh, Chang's like cousins or like his yeah. uncle lives in Kathmandu, so they're trying to find him. And it's like on the way there are some really really good haddock antics, which are like some of my favorite things in this book. I mean, I don't mind them in this, in these early pages also because I think the book really like gains traction starting like page twenty twenty five once they. Act- they're actually in the Himalaya. Like, it just changes the tone. So I don't mind the early book hijinks. I want to shout out this weird one-page thing that is becoming, like, another incarnation of my, like, recent favorite, uh, Ergeism, where it's just... Where it's just putting in something that annoyed him in real life, probably. Uh, uh-huh. In this case, it's this guy at the airport, like, playing with this rubber band. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just like stop it, stop, stop doing the rubber band. Yeah, it's like a whole like small plot line that exists just in there. It's just an annoying guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's like, but it's like a returning thing, right? Like he's he he's been like as he's getting older, he's putting in more and more stuff like this and uh, into his books that like aren't really necessary. You know, it just feels like it's a personal grudge he has against someone. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, like the other, because there's also there's a bit where he like bumps into a porter, like yells at the porter because he's haddock, and then the porter yells back at him, yeah. which is really mm-hmm. good. Love that. Um, which like happens again, and then this turns out to be one of the porters that like comes with them up the Himalayas. Yeah, and then there's also a bit where haddock eats just one chili and he sets his <laughs> mouth on fire and he has to drink it a tall liter of Mountain Dew. Al mouthy. <laughs> Yeah, he, he keeps getting owned by children, so the kids are like, haha, eat, eat it, you'll love it. And 
Yeah. He's in he's in pain, yeah. But I just wanna say that like Hajai really missed a trick with this one because like, you know, we're all sort of fairly familiar with like drinking water doesn't like cool your mouth down yeah. after chili. Mm. But strong alcohol does. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, Hoshai really missed a trick with yeah, this, this one. No, this Peppa distressed the uh, headache so much that he even forgot about, like, alcohol, which is... Yeah, yeah, temporarily cured his alcoholism. Yeah. It's just it's too spicy. <laughs> he willingly drinks water. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, then they, they find uh, Chang's cousin, uh, Chong Li, and Chong Li is like, oh, no, he's dead. And Tintin is like, no, he's not. So they sort of introduce him to, like, the, the local, like, Sherpa, and the Sherpa, there's just like a big speech bubble of the Sherpa going, no. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> You're too young to die. <laughs> he has a point. I think Tindin should have just listened to him and then just like gone home. I think that would, yeah, that'd be mm-hmm. more sensible. It would have been a much better book, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we've discussed this. <laughs> um, I did, I did actually like look up uh, the like origin of Sherpa and it's actually an ethnic group of like, just the mm, local yeah. uh-huh. like people of like South Tibet, North Nepal, I think. But like because they're really good at like mountaineering, they get used as guides. So like the word has been like sort of conflated with like a mountain guide person. Yeah. But it is an ethnic group, which is more fun Tibet facts that I learned from reading this book. But yeah, basically like this guy whose name is uh Atharki is is refuses to take Tintin up, so Tintin is like, Well, guess I'll go by myself. <laughs> um which, again, I like, guess quite moving. Yeah. Like, he's just going to go, even though it'll probably kill him. Tharki um, is a pretty good character. Yeah. I think. Mm. Yeah. Like, he's, he's just very competent, but also, like, reasonable. Because mm. yeah. he's like, yeah, I'm going to take you onto this, but no, no further, because this is suicide. Yeah. 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 Um, um, yeah. And it's like, yeah. 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 Um, um, yeah, and it's like because Tintin ha- having or Haddock having found out that Tintin is just going to go alone, like goes back and again, like persuades Tharky, um, uh, who clearly is just like, well, I can't just let him. What, what am I going to do? Let him die? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's my moral responsibility to uh, to pretend this this crazy white boy from dying. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like yeah, no, he's really chill, and like I feel like Haddock has clearly offered to pay him a lot of money, yeah. Um, which sort of comes up later. But yeah, they they set off for the like the crash site of the plane, um, and Tharky's gonna like take them there and no further. And there's this like several many pages of mountain hijinks as they're going to the crash site of the plane. Mm. I love these three like long yeah. panels where Haddock is like. At first, at the at the like front of the group, and then like slowly gets further and further behind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like striding on ahead, like ha I'm I'm the best walker, and then he yeah, he's not. He's the he's the worst walker. He ends up at the back. He's humiliated. This is very relatable. Yeah. To <laughs> <laughs> Trying to prove that you're the strongest, and then failing and accidentally like sabotaging yourself because you went too hard too quickly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then I have to drink to cope and make up for it. And I think we get like the most me. fucked up dream sequence where. Oh my god! Yeah. Hedda gets Hedda drinks an entire bottle of whiskey, 
uh, and then like pulls ahead of the group again. And then as he walks, mm-hmm. he's like falls asleep, and he has a dream where he is like this fancy man with a guitar on his back, and next to him is calculus, small, dressed as a little school child, but like still with his beard. It's <laughs> really good. And he's lost his umbrella, and then suddenly Haddock has like a shit ton of umbrellas in his head, and then Haddock said, and then Tiny Calculus says, "Rubbish! This is a red pimento." And then he hits Haddock in his head, who is now the little small uh, schoolboy, uh, and uh, fucking Calculus has grown like three sizes. Yeah, is he wearing a nappy? Yeah. I think he's he's wearing uh, one of the sort of like Jodies from the sort of previous panels that the porters wear. Uh, I don't actually know if that's what they're called, um, but one of the little loincloth thingies. Mm. But just this, Hershey's really nailed the like thing of dreams because like in every panel, like everything that Haddock is wearing, yeah, is like slightly different. Like yeah. his hat gets smaller. All the things he like, he's suddenly gone from having a guitar to having an armful of umbrellas and sticks, and yeah. like it's just it's so dreamlike. Um, you really tell Hershey was thinking a lot about dreams in this one, huh? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's like another bit where they're going onto the mountains. He Hershey plays with our expectations by like showing Haddock like crossing this rickety bridge and actually not falling into the water. <laughs> God, that um, bit is so funny. But once he's on the other side and he's like all proud of having not fallen into the river, Tintin is like, we're not even going that way, Haddock. Come <laughs> it's back. It's the wrong bridge. Um, Haddock then, as we as we mentioned, gets Snowy drunk because there's whiskey leaking out of his backpack, which Snowy drinks off of the mm-hmm. floor. He has um, this whole thing going on with like a devil and angel Snowy in his head. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, which happens again later on in the book. Yeah. It's really good. And every time, b- both the times, Devil Snowy wins. Which, <laughs> well, really I don't evil. know what that means. <laughs> yeah, Snowy is evil. Yeah, I'm sure it represents Hergé's ultimate decision to like divorce his wife in, in an uncatholic manner. But yeah, Hergé was right. Snowy is wrong here, though. Um, but yeah, Snowy gets drunk, falls off a cliff. Very scary, but it's fine. He's in the river. Um, Tintin fishes him out. There's then like a whole fucking like bit of Haddock like disrespecting a Chorton, which is like a resting place, meditation site, mm-hmm. um, building, which is again just not funny. Yeah, I didn't care for um, this one. It was it was interesting to see the, like the little buildings, but I just yeah. wish that the point of it wasn't to be like desecrated by Haddock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we eventually get to like their camping and they're talking about like Haddock's gonna drink whiskey and the guys are like, Don't drink whiskey, like the Yeti fucking loves whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows that about the Yeti. He loves we whiskey. All... <laughs> Number one thing you gotta know. Um He also the the Yeti eats the eyes and the hands of the men he kills. So that's, that's very, very specific. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably um, because at the end we learn what the yeti is actually like, and this is this feels like he collected this from like the diverse the retellings of people who claim to have seen the yeti. Yeah, this is what the yeti's ex told everyone. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's not like what, what he's actually like. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, the next morning, uh, Haddock wakes up to find that the bottle of whiskey he left outside is gone. Oh, who could have taken it? Who that really likes whiskey could have taken it? Ah, um, which is sus. And then they walk on a little bit and they find a bunch of really big footprints. And at this point, all the porters that came with them are like, nah, fuck this. Nope. I'm out of here. <laughs> so they have to go on alone uh, with just Haddock, Tintin and uh, Tharky. Yeah. He's just kind of like, well, I guess I'll come with you. <laughs> Haddock keeps shouting at a mountain, which causes an avalanche. Yeah. 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 Um, eventually, they like get um, to the plane crash site. Great panel. Um, hmm? Great panel. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this yeah. is where the visuals of this book start really coming. As I said, around page 25. <laughs> Yeah, it's like a, they, like they, they cross the sort of snow line and yeah. it's all just like white. Yeah. But it's beautifully drawn whiteness, right? Like it's uh, yeah, it's there's this, a lot of detail. Yeah, like it's this color. lack of colors, but like it's it's made up by like how how stark the like overwhelming snowiness, the whiteness is. Like if I, I don't know, it's just like them being like this is this is the thing that Dave does really well is like. Um, people appearing small in the context of their environment like he's done that in his space books yeah yeah i was i was i got like a similar kind of like sublime yeah. vibe mm. from just them really small mountains really big ah uh, they're gonna die yeah um and i also noticed there's like a lot of like variation in the whiteness because it's like here it's very obviously like it's sunny it's very bright like they've got the snow goggles on and stuff yeah. and then like later on whenever there's a snowstorm it's like very gray very dark um yeah. and like after the snowstorm like you know Tintin falls down a hole and they're trying to rescue him and like all those panels are very like gray and ominous like in their whiteness yeah yeah um it's it's just he's very good at doing moods is Hergé. Yeah, I mean, he's clearly been having nightmares about this for, like, several decades, so he... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even without having actually been in the Himalaya, he uh, he gets it. Yeah, yeah. I do want to shout out that um, Snowy finds out about how um, if you're playing A Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild and you leave uh-huh, a chicken uh-huh, out uh-huh. in the snow, it'll become a frozen chicken <laughs> um, and it'll actually give you some heat resistance, so Snowy discovers this. Yeah. Um, mm. About a chicken. Snowy does not yeah, get heat resistance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, no. mm-hmm. Not that we've seen. No. Yeah, yeah, he probably has some heat resistance. He can just wander around the Gerudo Desert now, having eaten a yeah. chicken. Coat. He's just not there, so it's like we can't tell. But this leads yeah, to, yeah. like, the next bit are, like, some of the strongest pages of this comic. God, yeah. Um, so what happens is Tintin, like, goes on a little walkabout to see if he can find evidence of Chang. He, like, walks over. He's like, ah, oh, I think Chang would have gone this way. And goes that way and finds this cave. Inside the cave, he finds a rock that has Chang's name on it in Chinese and also, like, English. No, that's not Roman letters. Um, He's like, oh my god, Chang's alive, real. Um, But whenever he comes back out of the cave, like, a snowstorm has started blowing. And there's just, like, a bunch of incredibly, like, evocative panels of just Tintin wandering around in the middle of this snowstorm. There's um, this shape. Hmm, a figure. Hmm. I don't know. It's, it's definitely just... Captain Haddock. <laughs> yeah, it looks exactly like him. <laughs> yeah. If I see a blur in the middle of a snowstorm, yeah. <laughs> ominously shambling away, who else yeah. could that be? I like he, uh, Haddock. Famously, loves to just wander around in a in a snowstorm and just like yeah. you know. Yeah, 
Oh, he's looking for whiskey. But seeing this, yeah. <laughs> seeing this, like seeing these panels of Tintin being in a snowstorm and there just being this shape, makes me makes me believe that the yet that yeti is are that the yeti is actually real. Because like I can, I can see how like if you're a mountaineer, and see this, you'd be freaked out. Like who would it be, right? Like yeah, yeah. I don't know. When I see the yeti, I will be freaked out. Yeah, I will. I'll it's be going fine. to happen. I'll be normal. Oh well, I'll be like hi, and he'll be like hey, and we'll just have like a nice little chat. Uh-huh, uh-huh. We'll drink we'll drink whiskey together. It'll be fine. Oh nice, nice, nice. I don't know Tintin um, being like alone in this sequence just does so much for the mood. I think because the, the thing that really gets me about this is Tintin falls out a hole, yeah. um, and like it's that Snowy is left yeah. by the hole howling like forever like all the panels of him just like getting progressively more like covered up in snow mm. and like you know because eventually after the um storm ends and like haddock and tharky come out to look for tintin like the only reason they find him is snowy's howling yeah. um and like when they find snowy he's clearly like passing out and like he spends the rest the next few pages just like cuddled up in someone's arms clearly like nearly dead from mm. cold um, yeah, it just, I, it just, it's a lot. I felt so cold mm. reading this. I was just like, oh, yeah, I don't want to be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It reminded me of in like 2002 when I went to see the film The Day After Tomorrow, which is about <laughs> being very cold. Yeah, and like I was in the cinema and I was watching this movie in Brazil in the summer, <laughs> except when I left the cinema even though it was like fucking like 35 degrees outside i was just like (laughs) so cold (laughs) like in my t-shirt and flip-flops yeah yeah for me it's for i i mentioned the thing already but like that's the that's the movie that will always make me feel cold fuck that movie um don't want to be cold um but like in a way how like you know how in game of thrones you're always like in Game of Thrones, they never really bought in the TV show that they're actually called at the wall because they weren't even like wearing hats. Oh yeah, yeah, and doesn't feel it doesn't feel viscerally cold, yeah. like because they don't react to it, right? Like they never feel like they're just like really cold, huddled up, like shivering, like it's like bitingly cold. Instead, it just sort of feels, oh, they're in a snowy environment, but it's fine. You know, they're like wrapped yeah. up. Yeah, so it's okay. Yeah, yeah and this one, Haddock is like hooded up and like. Yeah, it just feels like cold. everyone's wearing gloves, right? Like this. this I keep really I keep gloves. expecting because everyone's just there's a lot of like points in this where I'm like, ah, oh, this guy is, would be dead because <laughs> it's yeah. so cold and they're like exposed for like multiple days all the time. And I'm like, these guys' yeah. clothes must be like incredibly soaking wet. And Snowy um, yeah. is really frozen in here. Yeah, Snowy's yeah. dead. It's Snowy's ghost. He's become uh, icy instead of snowy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so Tintin's down a hole and Haddock and Tharky are gonna like go down the hole to rescue them, but then it turns out that actually Tintin got out of the hole, it's fine. Um there's like a funny bit where whenever Haddock sees Tintin is okay, he like lets go of the rope that he's been lowering <laughs> Tharky down the hole onto and like Tharky starts falling. <laughs> um That's classic Haddock behaviour. Classic yeah. classic Haddock behaviour. Buffoonery. <laughs> Absolutely incompetent. Yeah. Fire him and get a new guy. <laughs> God, Haddock should have been fired like the first book, but... Uh, Tintin had to adopt him because he was so helpless. He really did. 
<laughs> I'm going to the Himalayas. I've got to bring my like adult son, yeah. <laughs> Captain. I know how Calculus insisted on bringing him into space. Yep. <laughs> Listen, you can't get a babysitter for him. Yeah. You got to bring him it's, to work it's with impossible you. Impossible to manage. Yeah, you can't inflict it on anyone else. It's too embarrassing. <laughs> bring your child to space day <laughs> um but yeah they after this yeah Tintin goes and like shows them the cave he found that had like Chang's name in it um but like apart from the name there's like nothing else here Tharki is like okay he's definitely dead somewhere else <laughs> um and there's there's like a pretty like Again, evocative sequence of panels showing just like how small they are in the vastness of the Himalayas. And Tharki's like, even if Chang is alive, like, where are you going to search for him? Like, over there, over there, like, where are you going to go? And it just shows like how huge the mountains are. And Tharki, but just like convinces Tintin to like give it up, go home. Like, there's no evidence he's alive anymore. Um, and sort of starts leading him away. As Tintin is being led away, he like looks back for one final goodbye and sees a little flutter of a scarf stuck up in the mountains. This is the, that's a scarf. That's a scarf. That's mm-hmm. that's evidence. Um, and with sort of like renewed vigor, Tintin is like, no, no, no. Like I'm staying. I'm gonna go like check out that scarf. Um, Tharki is kind of like, okay, dude. <laughs> I'm not gonna help you to your death. <laughs> goodbye. This is my limit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they sort of settle up and, I don't know, get, get Tintin gives him his pay and stuff. Meanwhile, Haddock is, has been sort of, like, with the binoculars, like, trying to find the scarf. He does not find the scarf, but he does see the Yeti. Um, Yeti real. Yeti real. Yeti real. Spotted. <laughs> there's, there's a bit... In that I saw on the Wikipedia that like his publishers really wanted Erge to never actually show the Yeti. Yeah. To keep up the mystery. But Erge said uh, it would have let down his young readers. If yeah, which... they want to see He's the Yeti. Absolutely right. He's so right about l- it. The Yeti is the IRL Yeti. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we don't see him yet. We just see Haddock's reaction yeah. to him. Um, so this is kind of, I guess, sort of keeping in, in concept with what. Hergé's publishers yeah. wanted uh, for now. Um, but yeah, so had a content in and Snowy stay. Um, they sort of go to like climb the sort of unclimbable rock face where the scarf is. It's climbable. Um, hmm? It looks climbable. He's like, it's impossible. You can't <laughs> climb up there. It's too dangerous. I'm like, oh, it's quite approachable. You know, it's maybe not easy, but it's, you know, yeah. it's not as bad as. I mean, I don't <laughs> climb, so I don't know. Yeah. Maybe a bit crumbly, but which is quite dangerous. Yeah. Haddock and Tintin do climb it, though, and, you know, they get to the scarf, but then after they get to the scarf, uh, Haddock uh, grabs a rock, which sort of, like, crumbles away, and he falls just to be left, like, suspended in midair. This is very scary. He is sort of unable to move on his rope, and Tintin is sort of unable to move on the other end of the rope, like, keeping him, him hanging. Like, they are stuck... They are going to die. Unless Haddock uh, cuts himself uh, free and saves Tintin um, by sacrificing himself. Yeah, Haddock keeps, yeah. keeps telling Tintin to cut the, cut the rope loose so at least you can save yourself. Uh, I mean, this is another, another classic Haddock moment. As much as we 
rag on his buffoonery, he also has like these heroic moments. Yeah, yeah. Like Tintin will not cut the rope, so Haddock gets out his own knife to like just cut himself to his own death yeah. and save Tintin. Um but in another little bit of buffoonery, Haddock's fingies are cold and he drops the knife. <laughs> can't um, even can't even let himself die confidently. What a buffoon. <laughs> Uh, and the knife falls down and falls past uh, Tharky, who has come back because ultimately he decided to not let the two white boys die in the mountains after all. Uh, good for him, heroic moment. So Tharky, like, saves them um, and is there to, like, guide them further. Um, there's, you know, as they're still in the mountains, there's some further uh, things happen to them. Like, they lose their tent, um, which... <laughs> Below, this is the best panel I think in this book. I love this so much. Um, yeah, their tent blows away, and then there's just a panel of like the covered form of something, probably the yeti, just like running around like a funny ghost covered yeah, by a tent. Scooby Doo ghost, and we yeah. can see his feet. He got feet. Yeah, those are definitely mm. not human feet. Like I think at I'm this point, at, at this point, there's no like question about whether yeti is real or not. Yeah. yeah, it's it's like it's like the slow reveal. Like first you see the silhouette, then you see the toes. <laughs> Ooh, a little teasing with the with the feet. Yeah, yeah. Mm. how you tease? <laughs> I do want to shout out the like noises the Yeti makes, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and how like all the panels of the Yeti noises are like colored in like orange or yeah. yellow, um, just to just to show that they're loud Yeti noises. It's, it works. <laughs> it's pretty good. cool. Um, <laughs> he hits a rock, he runs into a rock because he can't see the poor Yeti. Yeah. Yeah, and there's just like a big crack in the rock. <laughs> no. He's yelling, he's hurt, he's scared. Um, very relatable. Um, but yeah, so they've only got one tent, um, which they're all trying to, they're all three trying to sleep in this one man tent, and Haddock like ruptures the tent by sneezing loudly. <laughs> um, so now like they've got no tents, like they got a go back um Can so they're trying back? to get back like with no shelter um and this sort of culminates like they see a monastery to head towards but then get caught in an avalanche every time it's got a panel on this that says like two days later or like three days later i feel so exhausted i'm like oh man and i'm yeah. like damn chang is definitely dead <laughs> yeah yeah um Again, it's kind of like back in the the space one, yeah. Like or, or the 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 pre-space one when they were like preparing for yeah. going in the rocket, and it was just like according to the like the panel time text, like months and months and like almost a year had passed in that book, and it was just like, mm-hmm. oh Jesus. Yeah, but the, in this <laughs> one, they're like so putting their lives on the line, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, there's something very existential about this. Um, yeah. In a way, like it's it is similar to even though this is. Obviously, as you said, it's a more personal story, but there's there's a lot of echoes to Explorers on the Moon, especially like the the the, the whiteness of the of the Himalaya uh, echoes the like emptiness of space. Yeah, constantly. Like, it's one of those like man versus overwhelming yeah. force kind of yeah. stories. Um, except instead of being driven by the, like the Calculus is like great ego of the white man mm-hmm. conquering. It's just like Tintin wanting to find his friend. Yep. Um, 
Yeah. Um, so we cut over to the monastery that they just spotted and are heading towards. And like the monks are watching that avalanche happen. No, I fucking love these monks. <laughs> these monks rule. This this feels this is the good version of what uh, uh, Prisoners of the Sun was, right? Yeah, because it's like, and it's also it reminds me of what Hershey did with like the Abdullah stuff. Yeah, where like he just made it really like relatable. Yeah, because like you know, he, and they end up being like relatable, but then also very mystical. But the mm. relatableness makes the mysticalness like less racist. I mean, it's, it's, it's <laughs> probably what monks are like, right? Like, they're, yeah, they're, they're they're secluded and they have like their like, you know, their own uh, day rhythms that are like so different from ours. But there's there's still just like dudes being guys in one place, right? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, what happens is like some guy is looking at the avalanche and he's like, oh, the white goddess is angry. It must be important. And the other guy beside him is like, really, Blessed Lightning, you're as gullible as a Popriag present. It's just an avalanche. <laughs> um, oh my god. Stop being so superstitious. At which point, the other guy, Blessed Lightning, like, starts levitating and has a vision. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's like, the oh, ultimate... I have another vision. Yeah. It's the ultimate power move. <laughs> yeah. Um, like yeah, he has a vision of like three men in the snow with a dog, and they're suffering. Um, and it's like a vision of like Tintin and stuff, yeah. clearly. Um, and then when he like finishes having the vision, like he drops back down to the ground and like stamps on another monk's toe, <laughs> <laughs> which is really good. Um, but yeah, he'll he'll come back. He'll have another vision later. Um, but yeah, we cut back to Tintin, who gets nibbled awake by a yak. Oh, this also and rules. Tintin, I love this yak. This yak is so. He's just so another fluffy. one of her shows. He's, 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 he's just a guy, <laughs> just a big lad. It's, um, trying, it's trying to strangle Tintin to death. Yeah. <laughs> well. Trying to munch on his scarf. Come on, or Chang's scarf even. He's just hungry for um, a scarf. Sometimes you're hungry for a scarf. <laughs> sometimes you want scarf. Panel of like snowy in the corner, like looking out behind the rock, saying, "What a terrible monster! It's going to eat Tintin." <laughs> it's letting it's it happen. A big, <laughs> yeah. it's a big yak. I mean, what's Snowy gonna do, really? Like, what a Snowy of the Colossus? Yeah, he's um, gonna, yeah, it's gonna jump onto his back and like yeah. bite him on the top of the head, and it's gonna defeat the yak, and he's gonna fall over. Uh, uh, no, this uh, yak, uh, this yak is innocent. He's just nice. Um, but yeah, Tintin like sort of gets woken up from having died in an avalanche. And writes a little note and gives the note to Snowy and is like, Snowy, you have to take this note to the monastery and get help. Um, so Snowy does not do that. <laughs> um, Snowy is on his way to the monastery and sees a big bone. Um, and unlike that one time in King Ottokar's scepter, Snowy is indeed succumbing to temptation and drops the note, picks up the bone. But after like a hot sec of like chewing on a bone, Snowy's like, oh fuck the message, oh no, oh no, oh no, I gotta go get help actually. And Snowy arrives in the monastery, but he's a dog, he can't talk. So the monks are just like, ah, his barking. Um, <laughs> How did a dog get up here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, eventually like someone is like, wait a second, that's the dog that Blessed Lightning talked about in his vision. And they, they figure out that there's guys 
stranded in the mountains and go help them. And Haddock wakes up in a the monastery. Yep. Um, he wakes up in the monastery and he can't get his shoes on. It's very dis- distressing. <laughs> um, I love there's that. a few. I, I like this. I like this. Uh, this 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 time skip here where it's like they're they're just going. Like I don't know. Actually, there's a lot of shortcuts in this one where he's like, okay, yeah. you know, they save. They're saving them. Whatever. They're in the monas- yeah, monastery. Yeah, we don't need to now. show that. Uh, I think it's. Yeah. You know he. I think he cuts out on the right parts here. Yeah. Yeah, there's some, like, hijinks in the monastery, uh, especially concerning Haddock and shoes. Haddock immediately breaks a vase. Yep. Classic Haddock. You find yourself in a holy place. Number one on my to-do list is break stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I will cause chaos for no reason, yeah. Gonna break their nice nice vase, and then I'm just gonna run around and make a fool of myself so everybody hates me forever. That's that's the Haddock way. I also love this bit, like, this is such a tiny detail, but I love this bit where he's like looking out of the window and he sees these uh, young monks flying kites and then just like cuts away from that. Like, I think it's, I think it's really cool that it shows how, you know, life in the monastery is just going on. Like, they have these, they have these few people that they've rescued, but it's not like their number one priority now it's not that everyone is like all about them now like they're just still you know they're just still living their normal lives i don't know this is a very tiny detail but i like it i mean i think it's part of in general how in this book how does a pretty good job of just like showing life in tibet like especially when because they go to like a local village later on and there's just like kids about the place just like vibing yeah um and stuff like whenever you know, most of the time they're in, they're just by themselves in the mountains. But whenever they are down in like a town, it it's, it's things are well drawn. Yeah, basically, the, like in the backgrounds, and they're not mm. the because I mean this was especially the case in the early books where I like I we brought this up a bunch about how Tintin through circumstances finds himself in the middle of a scenario where everyone is hunting him, <laughs> like everyone is like. <laughs> Yeah. Have you seen Tintin? There's like wanted posters for Tintin, like everything. And it, everything evolves around him, right? Right. And in this one, it's, they're really not the focus of like, they're only, the only reason why, why people pay attention to them is because Tintin is, keeps insisting on doing this suicide mission. Uh, and they're yeah. just trying to yeah. save him. But it's not like, it's not like they're the protagonists of like every situation they're in here. And it's like, even the sort of, like, they're trying to stop him from dying in the mountains, but it's not, like, their top priority. Like, they're not going to go out of their way yeah. to stop him, sort of thing. Um, and actually, the, the, the abbot, like, because we go over to, like, the head of the monastery, whom, like, they tend to call him the Grand Abbot. I don't know if that is an appropriate title for, like, the head of a Buddhist monastery, but that's what gets used here. Mm. Um but like the abbot is just he says the line it seems that you men from other lands have a strange uncontrollable <laughs> desire to climb the highest mountains at all costs even at the risk of your lives why is this why is this that's a great question um yeah it's a weird it's it's kind of an inversion of like we said we said that how how like going to the moon is like this mm. wanting to conquer everything great white man narrative thing and this really is like an inversion of that like why why do you keep like wanting to climb to the highest point of the world right yeah yeah and it's kind of like Tintin's like cause here of like just finding his friend is kind of like the one 
like justifiable thing um like for doing this which you know sort of comes back in the end whenever like they do find chang and then like the monks like have like a little parade and like honor them they're like oh damn like you were right like your cause was actually really noble and inspiring like we're gonna give you like the a little award um or whatever it is they give him but yeah. yeah um but at this point uh the abbot can't know that chang is actually alive so basically <laughs> like they tell they tell him um their story about how they're looking for chang and all the stuff that's like been happening to them and the abbot is still just kind of like please go home like you're going to die um he says some stuff about like actually it's like forbidden for strangers to stay in our monastery like you have to go home immediately which like yes that could be true but also i can kind of see that that like if i was the abbot i would just start making stuff up to make them go home (laughs) um but yeah so he sends them on their way down the mountain again but as they're leaving, uh, Tintin has a little encounter with uh, Blessed Lightning, the visions guy from earlier. And Blessed Lightning like picks up Chang's scarf, and as soon as he picks up Chang's scarf, he starts floating again and has another vision. Yeah. Um. And he 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 talks about how there's like a boy in a cave at the Horn of the Yak. The Yak. The Yak. Jesus. The yak. The Yak. The Yak. Have you seen that beautiful Yak? <laughs> There's a boy in a cave with the heart of Yark. With the heart of Yark. He's lying on some juniper branches. <laughs> and he's like sick. And oh no, the Migo is there. Um, the Migo? And he's... Amigo! <laughs> hmm. Just one member what of the that, Migos. What could that be? <laughs> yeah. The Eddie is a friend, as it turns out, in this. Yeah. Um. So, mm. so with this kind of like new piece of evidence, like another dream from someone else about Chang... Tintin goes back to the ad- ab- abbot and is like, hi, tell me everything you know about the Horn of the Yak and the Migu. Horn of the Yak turns out to be like the mountain and the Migu is like another name for the Yeti. Yeah, it's like and the they... Tibetan name and like Yeti is the Nepalese. Yeah. 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 But the, the Migu will never surrender his prey. Haha, <laughs> Chang is definitely dead for sure. However, this is yet again another sort of reason for Tintin to renew his search um, so he sort of heads off to towards that direction, and like, yeah, he's like in the local village, uh, which is uh, Charabang, um, like asking around, but no one's sort of willing to help him. Uh, which at which point Haddock catches up to him. He's on a horse. He is on a horse. <laughs> um, yeah, this Haddock a has very like some really f- nice, pleasant horse. Like the last time we saw a Haddock sit on a horse, that that was like. In the last book, right, that 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 horse just made the weirdest expressions, but this is just like a calm. Was it the horse one. from Land of Black Gold? No, or was that Red it was Sea Sharks? Sharks. Uh huh. Where he's just like riding a horse, and the horse is like, "What the yeah. fuck?" Um, Haddock has, I think, possibly the one funny Haddock culture shock moment in this book, um, where Haddock discovers that the uh, like the traditional Tibetan greeting is sticking your tongue out at someone, and. And like putting your hand in front of your nose, right? So, okay, no. I think what's happened here is that the children have like said hi to him by sticking their tongues out. And he's responded. He's doing like a little little nose He's doing the the na-na-na-na thing. Yeah, and then they all start doing it in the next few panels, just being like, haha, look at this thing that you can do. It's like, because like in the background of all the the panels like all the kids like have their hand like with their thumb touching their nose. They're like, oh, like, so this is what like white people do. 
um, they're learning from Haddock. Because, yeah, and then, like, when Haddock goes to say, like, goodbye to them, Haddock's like, ah, goodbye, Tibetan style. And then the child does, like, the sort of rude thumb nose gesture to Haddock. <laughs> we should, which we then Haddock... need to bring back the, like, thumb nose gesture. Like, I, I'm making it right now <laughs> in real life, and I'm just, like, thinking about how I haven't seen anyone do this. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen anyone do that in real life. Not for a while. Maybe like at like primary school. Yeah. Yeah. It's you know, we've I think we've really regressed in in our arsenal of rude gestures. <laughs> yeah. Like there's just the middle finger at this point and you know, what else is there, right? Yeah. Actually the thing I'm doing is the thing that had explained on the next page yeah. where he's like That's putting his like eyes he's making faces at the kid and he's like pulling his eyelids down with two fingers and then pulling his nose up with the other one and being like (laughs) (laughs) that's a fun gesture that's a fun thing yeah anyway after Haddock versus Tibetan children um, (laughs) Haddock really is just like on the despite being a jaded old he's at the same time a jaded old man and on the intellectual level of like a child yeah 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 like children love Haddock (laughs) Is the moral of the story? Yeah, I mean, we had it with they, Abdullah, they recognize... right? Like he was Abdullah's favorite yeah. victim. Like, cause kids recognize that Haddock is one of them. Yeah, yeah, he's a Looney Tunes. <laughs> so they they like get up to they end up like one of the kids like takes them up to wherever where the Yeti was like spotted, um, and they end up like finding his cave. Like they see him in the mountains, like a silhouette, and like Haddock and Tintin are like, right now's my chance to like get into the cave. Tintin, like Tintin, goes in and like Haddock is like, I will stay outside and I'll whistle whenever the Yeti comes back. Which, which they go along. Tintin is able to go. Oh, actually, one other thing to mention on this page is that Haddock, like, has brought a camera. Yeah. And keeps being like, Tintin, you've got to get a photograph of the Yeti. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Remember, you're a journalist. A thing that has come up like twice. In the last 15 books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pay attention is in the cave. Chang is in the cave. There's a wonderful little reunion with Chang. It's um, very sweet. Yeah. But then the Yeti is back. <laughs> I love this panel on at the end of page 55 where like the headache is biting the thumb of his glove saying should never have let him go alone. I only hope nothing goes wrong. And then there's this, like the shape of the Yeti in the corner of the image approaching. <laughs> And it's yeah. just—it's just like a very small drawing of the yeti at this point, and it looks so dopey. <laughs> His little walk. Yeah. Honestly, the yeti looks like it has the sort of walk that like a pug has, where it just like waddles. It's a funny little guy. He's a funny little guy. He's like if a little guy was a big guy. Yeah, yeah. He really is. Oh yes. Um, but yeah, the yeti has come back, and unfortunately, Haddock can't actually whistle. <laughs> Very funny. I I don't know if the implication is that like Haddock can't whistle, like could never whistle, or like I think it's because it's very cold. It's cold. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> Like if your if your lips are frozen, it's very hard. Yeah. Yeah, that makes that makes more sense actually. But he ends up just like yelling, uh, Tintin look out, and then of course the Yeti comes in and we see our special little guy in full glory. On all of page so fifty-seven, good. it's very good. This is the culmination of uh, of Hergé drawing hairy animals. Like, remember the gorilla? Yeah. Remember the bear? Yes, of course. 
Remember the fucking yak from two pages yeah. ago? <laughs> We've achieved perfection. His, um, his head shape, his, like, fucking mod haircut. <laughs> yeah, he does have a mod haircut. <laughs> what a funny little face, yeah. Yeah, see, his make... bangs are too long. He needs someone to trim them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, he needs the like you know raccoon tail hair dye job for, mm-hmm. to go with his scene aesthetic. Yeah, but yeah. He's making uh, menacing noises at Tintin like Hor! and stuff. That's what the sounds like. Yeah, we all know this. Um, all Yetis know these days <laughs> is love whiskey and just, being hard. I'm just laughing already at the at the final panel on page 57. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what happens is, like, Tintin takes the... No, the Yeti grabs the camera, which goes off and makes a big flash, which then scares him. And he runs away. Um, and as he runs away, of course, he runs into Haddock, who has come into the cave to rescue them, and Haddock goes, Boom! <laughs> <laughs> you know exactly what 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 we mean by this. Like even if you don't see this panel, he just this this makes like Haddock being here worthwhile because this 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 image of him like flying into the air with like his feet up really is so funny. Down. Yeah, really good. Yeah. yeah. Um but yeah, so they, they get to carry um Chang out of the cave and die in the mountain and on the way sort of like Chang tells him like this whole story of how he like got Sort of adopted by a yeti. Yeah. All this time um, you thought the yeti was a bad guy, but actually he took care of Chang. He's nice. Just nice and lonely. He, he just wants a friend. He slash is nice pet. <laughs> Chang does need medical attention. Yeah. <laughs> Very much so. The yeti is a friend, but the yeti is not a trained medical professional. Yeah. No. Yeah, like on the way, and then like on the way back down the mountain. Oh yeah, there's like a bit where the yeti is sort of still following them. But then Haddock blows his nose really loud and scares it off again. Mm-hmm. He's just um, nervous. He's a nervous boy. Yeah. He's, he's got anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> Some people steal children to cope. and <laughs> Some people. <laughs> Get mad at Haddock for like doing this a lot, like that he has to sneeze or, uh, you know, makes a loud noise and that. Like, you know, that's why the tent broke or whatever. But it's very relatable to have like bodily functions. So. Mm-mm. Yeah, this is why Hershey should have written a tummy trouble uh, story. <laughs> God. Like, yeah. Um, so yeah, on the way back down the mountain, they encounter like a procession of all the monks from the monastery who sort of like come to to meet Tintin and and present him with a with a silk scarf in honor of his courage and friendship and steadfastness. They're drinking their Tintin respecting juice, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's pretty Haddock much. Haddock blows into makes... this big like <laughs> horn that they have. I don't know what the what the Himalayan equivalent of that is. Yeah, yeah, it's for like Himalayan yodeling. Yeah. Mm. He's. I mean, he's he's Haddock. He's got to make one final really loud noise. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the sort of the final bit. Which is like as they're all like leaving to bed, Chang is just like, you know, I hope they never find the Yeti because yeah. he's really nice, actually. And this this is another inversion of like a thing that has been in so many Tintin books of like, you know, wanting to discover stuff and like mm. showing it to the world, like, you know, and fucking with the 
with the shooting star one where it was like so important that they plant the flag on this island so they can colonize it. You know, there was the awful bit in Seven Crystal Balls where Tintin was... They didn't want yeah. to do anything wrong. They just wanted to let everyone know about the... The whole civilized world know about the Inca treasure or whatever, which was bad. Uh, but this 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 feels, seems like a reckoning where, I don't know, or like a re- reflection of that on that. Uh, maybe it's just because Erge is sympathizing with this big animal man cryptid, mm. the, the Yeti. But this is like, yeah... What if we don't colonize everything? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what if you, brackets, a white person, stayed in your own lane? Yeah. Would yeah. that be fucked up or what? What if yeah. you tried to improve the world rather than going to other places and stealing their stuff? Or like, you know. Stuff? Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. The only person hmm. who actually steals something from here is Snowy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's, so he's got a bone. It's very big. What is it from? Best not to think about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's probably like a yak or something, because there's also a skull here. Mm-mm. That's my guess. Yeah. That's Tintin in Tibet. That's Tintin in Tibet. He's in Tibet. Yeah. Many are saying this. Many are How saying. did we find it, gamers? It was good. I liked it. I Yeah, I thought this was very good. Uh, you know, shenanigans aside, which I guess was just contractually had to put in some stuff for the kids it's uh, like even it's like a lot of Haddock's shenanigans were good and funny yeah. it's just like one in like four or five was just like too much or too racist <laughs> yeah. or too like you know like I didn't even mention like there's a whole bit where he keeps calling like the abbot like different yeah. funny names yeah which is like that is just tiring yeah, yeah I was just really I like at the end I like the end of the abbot's like talks to Haddock and he's like, blessings upon you for in spite of all you of the faith of these mountains. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Despite of being just a fucking idiot, I guess you like have faith in Tintin, which is nice. So yeah. Have to get yeah. one one own in at the end, Very which good. is what Haddock deserves. <laughs> Very good. I like the I said this before record recording. I like the ending a lot. Uh, I like that this like this this ending feels a lot more round than a lot of Tintin endings where it's like maybe because there's no bad guy, right? Like I think actually having to wrap up a bad guy who reveal was something he was never good at. So like this this story not really ha- not yeah. having any villain is doing it wonders. Yeah. It turns out that when you don't like sow a million seeds of like a million plots yeah. at the same time, you don't have to like hurriedly reap them in these huge, mostly fucking text panels at the end of the mm-hmm. book. Yeah. Oh, Look, finally. This is a five star book to me. Um, I don't know where we want to rank this because the top three are Calculus Affair Explorers on the Moon, Land of Black Gold. Hmm. I would put it ahead of Land of Black Gold for sure. I think, yeah, I think I would put it above Land of Black Gold. I don't think I would put it above Explorers yeah. on the Moon. I think that works for me. Um, I think it's a respectable number three. Yeah. I also, I don't think I would give it five out of five. I think I would give it 4.5. That's fair. Just because of an oversaturation yeah. of like Haddock hijinks, um, which sort of killed the mood in the middle of it. Yeah, I, I um, can. Having said that, I would still put it above Land of yeah, Black Gold. I can agree on a, on a 4.5. Chaz, you got any takes? Um, on the ranking? You haven't read uh-huh. these, so I don't. I don't know the other ones. Oh yeah, well enough to have an opinion. I think it's the best Tintin book that I've ever read. <laughs> Hell yeah, that's, that's my correct. Opinion, so <laughs> it's definitely <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the top tier, and like as 
I don't know, just as a just as a book where like just like as a reflection of like Hergé being in a rough time. Uh it's I think it's really lovely that he wrote this. Yeah. Yeah. He was like ha- struggling and he was like, I'm just gonna write like a Tintin book about friendship and trying to overcome that and my horrible white dreams. I think that's really good. It's really lovely. Yeah. Um, what if he just wrote a book that was nice? Yeah. <laughs> what if he was like looked at it and was like nice? Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean maybe we'll hate it, but like the the next one we'll talk about is one that famously is very lighthearted because he worked through a lot of stuff in this one. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um so I am I am also curious yeah, to see on. like how anything further like develops with his uh change of marriage yeah and like going through stuff and to see because you know like i think in other hergé uh bits i've sort of read about how he like got into taoism and stuff yeah Mm. um and i'm wondering if this how this sort of if this is like an inciting thing for that if like his sort of new partner is a lot to do with that or if anything else like comes up yeah in regards to his yeah sort of the post faith the post tintin and tibet books which are castafiore emerald uh flight 714 to sydney and tintin and the picaros they're like known as being weirder than mm. the previous ones and yeah i remember liking them uh back when i read them many years ago but they're controversial because they're not like a typical Tintin adventure so Mm, it's mm. gonna be interesting to revisit those um yeah so yeah in two weeks we'll see you with the Castafiore Emerald uh yeah gamers I like that he he gets into Taoism I think that's very valid (laughs) (laughs) just yeah we had to bring you on for like Hergé Taoism origins yeah yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, Taoism is different to Buddhism. Like, there's different, it's older, um, mm-hmm. and it comes from, as like a different sort of uh, set of beliefs, but they sh- they share like a sort of common, a common origin, I think. I think Buddhism mm. came out of Taoism, yeah. But love that for him. I love that for him. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, gamers. Uh, Chaz, do you have yeah. anything to plug? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know, because, like, everything I plug, like, I imagine Janosch has already told you yeah. about, because, like, we do all the same podcasts, so... Well, I, actually, I don't think Janosch has done a single plug on this podcast, apart from for a sick on Ebert. I've plugged, I've plugged our stuff in the first episode, I think. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Uh, well, and they're all in the like, description, I'll just give so. you a reminder. Yeah, you know... Like, give us you... a little refresher. Yeah, which ones, which ones yeah, are okay. you Yeah, on? okay. Okay, so I'm on Lynchpin, yes. which is Dave, a David Lynch podcast. Uh, which is very it's good. Um, I'm on Who Watches the Watch, which is a Terry Pratchett Discworld podcast. Um, I'm a co-author of Immortal Incantations, the the book mm-hmm. series that is a parody young adult novel. Uh, that you can find as a podcast. Um, and I'm also on A Song of Babies and Puppies, <laughs> a uh, a podcast about A Song of Ice and Fire. Um, so yeah. Maybe that seems like a lot, and you wouldn't be you wouldn't be wrong, but it's fine, normal. You should check those out; they're pretty good. I think it's normal. Imagine having a lot of podcasts. I mean, a lot of podcasts, Could and all of them me. have a lot of hosts on them. 
<laughs> yeah. Follow me on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you want to keep a, uh, up with my project, of which there is. Yeah. Many. Do you have some oh. other creative projects, maybe? Uh, yeah. You can you can read a zine if you want. You can listen to some music. You can read subscribe to my newsletter. You know, there's stuff out there. Oh, you, you have a great demo reel. Is that is that still pinned? Uh, no, I unpinned it okay. because. I got bored, but um, <laughs> you can find it on my YouTube. If you go to Chaz Helmong on YouTube, you can probably find it. But yeah, do whatever. Listen, I'm not your mom. You can do what you want. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My gamers, I'm okay. taking the high road I have nothing else on this to... one. Yeah, I take the low. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>